The Premier League is back. The Gunners are back. Arsenal travel to Brentford this weekend, Saturday, 5.30pm kickoff. And it's the big match preview here on the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Let's go. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Family with me, your host, Harry Simeon. Happy Friday to each and every one of you. Fridays feel much more exciting, don't they, when you know that there is club football to come at the weekend. I don't know about you guys, but I've really, really struggled over this international break. I know this probably sounds a little bit pathetic, and I know this sounds, you know, like I'm moaning about nothing, but I have really, really found the last what, week and a half, bit longer than that, really difficult actually, because I've just not known what to do with myself. And when I get into that zone, I kind of think about it and I go, well, actually I should be unwinding. I should be taking it easy. I should be, um, you know, recharging and re-energizing ahead of what's going to be a really, really busy period over December, Christmas and going into the new year. And, And that's all good. But once I get into that mode of like, relaxation. I'm not going to say relaxation because I've still been working, but that mode of like just slowing it down and winding it back a little bit, I end up feeling really tired and really sluggish. And it actually makes me feel worse, which is weird. Like, does anyone else experience that when you try and slow things down a bit, wind things down a bit, you just feel a little bit more lethargic, a little bit more sluggish, found it harder to get up in the mornings. I found it harder to motivate myself to do things that normally I do without even thinking. So yeah, um, I'm glad that the Premier League and club football is back for more reasons uh, than just the fact that Arsenal uh, are, of course, in action, which is uh, which is great. Um, let me say a few hellos uh, to some of you in the live chat. Remember, uh, this is the Big Match Preview Show, and we are going to focus on that game between Brentford and Arsenal at the GTEC this weekend. We're going to start off by uh, picking out the big points or the key points from Mikel Arteta's press conference. I'll talk to you about the lineup, the lineup that I'd go with. There's a few players who we think are going to be available, having been sidelined previously, but how fit are they? How much of the game will they be able to participate in? We'll discuss all of that. We'll also take some of your thoughts and questions from the live chat, as well as diving into what we can expect from Thomas Franks Brentford, a side that I've seen and covered a fair few times this season. Morning to Arsenal Analyzed. We've got Derek, we've got Afsar, uh, we've got Junior, we've got uh, A.U. Guna, who said, waiting patiently, Mr. Simu. Obviously, I was late on the stream. It's just what I do. Uh, Fuad says, uh, love how Harry was in the live chat early, but is never on time for the actual show. Uh, all love, brother. Today, I know it sounds like I've always got um, I've always got an excuse, but today at about 25 past 10, because you know that I always schedule the stream for five minutes before I'm actually going to go live, right? Those of you that have been here a while will know that now, will have gotten used to that by now. But I got a phone call at, at 10.25 and I thought, yeah, I, I kind of need to take this call and I'm pretty confident I can wrap this up in five minutes, in which case I'll still be on time. But of course, it didn't happen and it went on and on and on. So I do apologize uh, for that. Uh, big hello to Owen, who joins us as well. We've got Harry. Uh, we've got, um, what else, who else? We've got Tebow. Uh, we've got uh, lo- lots of you in the live chat. If I read all the names, we'll, we'll do nothing else. So I'll swiftly move on from that. But thank you all for being uh, with us. Okay, let's. Um, Let's uh, dive uh, into this one then, because Brentford will welcome Arsenal on Saturday evening. And it's a game that in the past has left us with some wounds. 
But it's a game that over time, I think Arsenal fans are starting to look at in a more confident nature. And so, um, do we have something to worry about? Should we be concerned or should we be expecting Arsenal to go there and win comfortably? We'll get into all of that just after this. Okay, let's start off with Mikel Arteta's press conference. I've picked out uh, some of the key points from it rather than reading through the entire transcript. Um, These were some of uh, those points. Uh, Mikel Arteta said that Martin Odegaard is on course to return at Brentford. He said that, you know, he's training, but that there's one more training session to go. Um, So he said that he's hoping that he'll be available, which is why I've said he's on course to be available, but he wouldn't commit one way or the other. Mikel Arteta never does. And that's why uh, very often when the press conferences are that bit later on in the day, we don't bother waiting for them when making the preview show because he's hardly going to give us any uh, breaking news. He's hardly going to give us anything that really is of any substance or has any real clarity. Let me rephrase that. He gives us plenty with substance, but he doesn't give us clarity around team selections. It's always, well, we've got one more session. Well, we've got one more session. Well, you know, we'll see what happens between today and tomorrow. Well, we'll see what happens between today and Sunday, depending on when the game is. So for that reason, I don't always feel the need to wait for those press conferences because although we go into each and every one hoping that he's going to shed further light on who is and who isn't available, we we don't always get that from Mikel. Um, He was asked, of course, about the FA charge. Um, We understand that uh, Mikel Arteta uh, has um, now put his points and the club have put their points across to the PGMOL and the FA. Uh, but he was asked when he expected any potential punishment to come down the line. Uh, would it be before the Brentford game, which of course takes place tomorrow? And he said, no, I, I think it will be after the Brentford game. So we're going to have to sit tight on that. Just worth pointing out as well that Roberto De Zerbi, who literally came out and openly said that he just doesn't like 80% of the Premier League referees has got simply just a slap on the wrist. He's been warned um, about his comments and that's it. That's as far as it's gone. So if there was any doubt about whether or not Arsenal fans have the right to feel aggrieved by the, the double standards that seem to be applied when assessing cases, not just with Arsenal, but you know, club uh, assessing the cases involving some of the bigger clubs where obviously these things become bigger stories. And this is an example of why the FA and the PGMOL continue to make themselves look silly in that regard. Um, He was asked if he would go back and say things, do things differently up at Newcastle United if he were given the opportunity. Um, And Mikel basically said, no, you know, that's like me saying after a game we lost that I should have picked a different lineup. He said, you can't go back and change that. So it's very easy to sit here and say, yeah, I should have done this or yeah, I should have done that. I really liked his answer there. It was a great question in order to try and get the response that, um, you know, a journalist wanted. Like as a journalist, right, that's part of your job is to extract those lines from Mikel Arteta that are going to go big, right? That's That's the purpose of what you're there for in a lot of cases. I thought it was an excellent question, probably the best question of the press conference in terms of trying to kind of catch him and uh, and entrap him. But Mikel Arteta, I thought, sidestepped it beautifully, really, really well. He also confirmed that Aaron Ramsdale will start at the G-Tech Stadium. I mean, yeah, G-Tech Stadium um, on, uh, on Saturday. And, um, you know, I-, I think most of us expect that. I think that there was... Maybe a little bit of concern among some of us when 
you know, we heard what Nick Ramsdale had to say. And, you know, then we heard yesterday from Fabrizio Romano, which, you know, was a, a little bit, I, I don't know what the right word is here. Look, it wasn't ideal, the timing with which Fabrizio Romano dropped the news that Arsenal would be taking up their option to sign David Wright. We all knew it was coming. And I don't think anybody was shocked or surprised by it. I tweeted sort of sarcastically saying, I didn't see that coming or something along those lines. And you would not believe, by the way, how many people thought I was being serious. And we're like, why are you surprised? Mate, sarcasm. Is that just not a thing anymore in 2023? Am I just getting old? I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> he confirmed that, that Ramsdale is in line to start, um, which is, of course, um, good, I think, because it gives him an opportunity to kind of show uh, his his value still and, and prove his worth. I think when you're Aaron Ramsdale, and I've, I've said this over and over again about this, this whole Nick Ramsdale thing. I think when you're Aaron Ramsdale, you don't want those kind of comments. You don't want those kind of conversations to be ongoing. You just want to get your head down. And when your opportunity comes, you just want to make sure that you're well-equipped to take it. And one of the big arguments I had against what Nick Ramsdale said was that actually all it would do would increase the scrutiny on Aaron's performance when he did get an opportunity back in the team. Everybody's known from the start of the season, regardless of who was the number one, that Ramsdale would have to play this game because Raya, given that he's currently on loan from Brentford, is ineligible. There's no other goalkeeper in the Arsenal ranks that you would say is even close to Raya and Ramsdale to say that, well, you know, if he's on his way out or if Arteta's really done with him, he could put him to one side. Why would Arteta cut his nose off to spite his face? By, for example, playing somebody like Carl Hine, who, in my opinion, isn't ready. So Ramsdale, you know, was always going to start unless there was a major falling out. And I think it's good that Mikel Arteta confirmed that rather than kind of um, dancing, you know, one way or the other around it and sort of being a little bit mysterious about it. I think by saying, yeah, look, Ramsdale's going to play, that at least kills that narrative for the next 24 hours you know, and and more until the game takes place. So I'm glad that he said that. Um, he said uh, with regards to kind of the way he communicated after the Newcastle game that he'll continue to be authentic and speak out as a leader uh, when necessary. Um, you know, he said that we got to do it respectfully. So he kind of acknowledged that maybe he, in his own mind, feels that he crossed the line a little bit. But I think you have to factor in emotion with these things. You really, really do. You have to factor in the fact that you're talking to the guy straight after the full-time whistle when he feels like he's been wronged. Um, I think, sort of reading between the lines, the dialogue between Arteta, Arsenal, FAP, GMOL, has probably been quite amicable since. And I think that, you know, Mikel Arteta appreciates that there is that dialogue rather than uh, those organisations just kind of slamming the door in his face. But he's not backing down from his point by the looks of it. He's made his point. He says he's going to keep speaking out when he feels that he needs to. And it's and it's good that there is that dialogue. Therefore, suggests that Mikel Arteta is going to continue to, to speak when he feels, um, you know, that his team have been wronged. Maybe he'll do it with a slightly different tone. Maybe, depending on the severity of the punishment that, you know, he's undoubtedly coming down the line, he will think twice about it going forward. And that's what that punishment is designed to do. I don't agree with it, to be clear. And I don't think he deserves any punishment, really, rather than, you know, other than, I should say, just a slap on the wrist. If you're going to give Roberto De Zerbi a slap on the wrist for telling everybody, <coughs> I beg your pardon, 
that he doesn't like Premier League referees, then what are you going to do to Mikel Arteta? Like the the two are quite similar in terms of their severity, in my opinion. You know, you could argue that Arsenal, following it up with a statement, took it to another level, but then punished the club for that. You don't punish Mikel Arteta for what the club did. So, yeah, it's um it's an interesting one, and I await uh, the outcome of this. And and I think if um if it is a strong punishment, i.e., a touchline ban or whatever, then I think we're going to all recognize exactly what's going on at that point you know if it's a, a fine you know fine you still don't want um Mikel Arteta to to be fined of course but you know if it's something that isn't going to have a sporting impact then I think we'll all be able to kind of live with it and move forward if it's going to have a sporting impact i.e you're going to take our manager who's so influential from the touchline away from that position for a game a number of games then I think you're going to spark the fire again and people are going to come out swinging and saying well what about Roberto De Zerbi and that's the danger that that PGMOL and the FA have put themselves in here he was also asked about Jorginho now of course Arsenal have the option to extend the Jorginho's contract by a further 12 months uh, Mikel Arteta remained tight-lipped on that said that it was one for Edu um, but he did say that he was incredibly happy with uh, what Jorginho's brought to the side and I have to say especially with Declan Rice alongside him. Jorginho has really stepped up a level. Now, he didn't have a great international break, missed another penalty uh, for Italy, which uh, is an ideal, of course. Um, but he's experienced enough. He's he's big enough. He's, I was going to say ugly enough, but he's not. He's a good-looking lad. But anyway, you get the point I'm trying to make. I think he'll be okay in terms of being able to dust that off and, uh, and go again. Uh, of course, Mikel was also asked about the rumours that have been doing the rounds recently with regards to the future of Taka hero Tommy Asu. And he said that he values Tommy Asu and he wants him to stay uh, despite the reports that Bayern are interested. So um, those were the key points from Mikel Arteta's press conference. I'm sure you can watch it back um, on uh, the Haters TV YouTube channel and various other places. I'm sure Arsenal will be putting out a transcript. I'm sure football.london will have a transcript of it in full if you uh, want to uh, go back over it and uh, sort of read the fine print yourself and, and make sure that you're up to speed word for word. But those are the key points that I took away from uh, Mikel's press conference this morning. Anyway, uh, we're going to take it on and we're going to start previewing this fixture in particular with our statistical preview. Let's do it. Brentford versus Arsenal. Kickoff at 5.30pm on Saturday evening. Uh, it's live on Sky Sports, I believe, in the UK. Head-to-head -head between these two sides. Well, of course, uh, they've only met four times in Premier League history. Arsenal have won two of those fixtures. Brentford have, had, have won one, which was that horrible evening that we had the Friday night under the lights, first game of the season. We all remember that. Um, and I think that although... Brentford are a good side. They're well coached. And we're going to come on to what we can expect from Brentford a little bit later on in the show. I do think that there has been a bit of PTSD on Arsenal's part, at least on the fans' part, since that night, so that we always play up how difficult the Brentford game is um, as a result of that and, and because we're always thinking of that. But, you know, we've got a pretty good record in recent times against Brentford. You know, if you look at the three games after that, we're unbeaten. Uh, we've won two of those three. And so, you know, is it something that maybe we make more of because of that history and because of those scars, perhaps? 
As I mentioned, uh, recent meetings between the two, the last meeting was on Saturday, 11th of February, 2023, where in controversial circumstances, remember, Arsenal uh, dropped two points in the title race. This was one of those ones that the PGMOL came out and apologised for. Why? Because the VAR forgot to check if the man was offside in the build-up to the goal. And another example of why there's been a build-up for Mikel Arteta of frustration and a build-up within the Arsenal camp um, of frustration with regards to the standard of officiating. That was really, really costly, that. You go back to the game before, which was early on last season, September 18th. I was at this one at the GTEC and Arsenal were brilliant on the day. Um, two excellent goals in the first half and then Fabio Vieira scored a brilliant goal in the second half to wrap up the points for Arsenal. Go back to Saturday, 19th of February, 2022. The Gunners beat Brentford by two goals to one. And if you go back to the first Premier League meeting between these two sides on Friday, 13th of August, 2021, as I've mentioned, Brentford ran out 2-0 winners that day. Looking at the form guide uh, between the two sides, three wins apiece in their last five. Arsenal have drawn one away at Chelsea, of course, that 2-2 draw, and were beaten away at Newcastle in controversial circumstances. The fact of the matter is we should be unbeaten in five, but we're not because of that ridiculous um, decision up at St. James's Park. And so the form guide looks a little bit different. As for Brentford, uh, they lost 2-1 at Manchester United. Probably didn't deserve to. Late, late goals from Manchester United turned that one around. And people were starting to be concerned for Brentford and talking about the potential of relegation for Thomas Frank's side. But they bounced back after that. Uh, they won 3-0 at home to Burnley. Got a wonderful win at Stamford Bridge. Again, a game that I covered. I was on commentary duty for that one. Um, you know, Brentford catching Chelsea out on the break and, and making them pay after frustrating them for long periods. And then they beat West Ham United 3-2 at the GTEC before losing at Anfield, which can happen to anybody. So Brentford have turned a little bit of a corner and are in a better place. And I think, you know, should be taken seriously. If you look at the top player stats, uh, Brian and Bumo leads uh, the goal scoring chart in the Premier League between these two sides. He's got six. Eddie Nketiah um, comes in at second with five. Uh, and of course, third is Bukayo Saka with four. So Brian and Bumo clearly uh, the man to watch out for. He's really, really stepped up in the absence of Ivan Tony. Gives him something different. Uh, Brian and Bumo, he allows him to play with a low block. He allows him to play this compact shape and system that Thomas Frank likes in the bigger games, which again, we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, because he defends excellently from the front, but he's got incredible pace and he's a really, really good counter-attacking weapon. I really like the player. I, I think he's fantastic. So we'll have to watch out for him at the weekend. In terms of assists, Bukayo Saka leads the way with four. Fabio Vieira's got two. And also on two is Brentford's Matthias Jensen. Passes, it's Arsenal players uh, that dominate the top three uh, of this one because, uh, of course, Arsenal seem to have the lion's share of possession in pretty much every game they play. Can't always say that for Brentford. Saliba's made over 1,000 passes in the Premier League this season. Declan Rice, who's second, is some 300 short of that on 721. And Ben White is on 697. But when it comes to tackles, it's the Brentford boys uh, that are sitting um, pretty in this one. Christian Norgard, 30 tackles. Um, Matthias Jensen's in the top three as well with 24. But sandwiched in between them is an Arsenal man and not a player you'd expect. Bukayo Saka 
has made 25 tackles in the Premier League so far this season. If you asked me who was Arsenal's top tackler in the Premier League this season, I would not have said Bukayo Saka, would you? But he obviously is that, um, according to PremierLeague.com. So, you know, sometimes uh, you can be surprised by statistics, can't you? That one has certainly caught me off guard. Um, okay, let's take it on. We're going to talk a little bit about Brentford um, and what we can expect from Thomas Frank's side uh, this weekend. And then I'm going to share with you guys the lineup I would like to see start. And we'll take some of your questions uh, shortly after that. Don't go anywhere. So what to expect from Brentford? Now, I've mentioned that they have been able over the last couple of seasons, actually, to shapeshift, to be able to play with a back four in the games that they fancy themselves a little bit more in. Um, and that gives them that little bit more attacking impetus. It gives them an extra body in midfield, um, you know, and it gives them, uh, you know, greater control in terms of possession, you could argue. But when they seem to play against the big boys and, you know, you can uh, you, you can put us in that bracket nowadays. I know I feel like we're still getting used to saying that after many, many years of, you know, even Premier League minnows turning up against us and fancying their chances and having a go and roughing us up and getting in our faces and all the rest of it. We're certainly one of the sides that that Brentford will pay respect to. We've seen Thomas Frank do that over and over again. And so what I've done on the screen, for those of you watching, is I've brought up the way they set up against Liverpool at Anfield, because I think it will be similar. This was, again, a similar setup to what we saw at Stamford Bridge as well. Back three, um, two, uh, of course, uh, wing backs, if you like, uh, that can tuck in um, and be compact, that can get up and down the pitch as well, that can step into midfield if they're starting to get overloaded there. And what Brentford tend to do under Thomas Frank when they face these types of sides is make sure that the middle zone of the pitch is a no-go. They will make it incredibly difficult for Arsenal to have any luck, any joy in that area, and they will continue to funnel you out wide. Now, Arsenal don't have a target man centre forward. You know, you could argue that Kai Havertz maybe could be that, and I've argued that he can be that in certain games when you need an outlet. Is he as dominant in the air as, as some, though? Is he the type of centre forward that you would happily put crosses into the box for over and over and over again. I, I'm not so sure. And to be honest with you, I'm not so sure that Kai Havertz even plays in this game. We'll come onto the Arsenal lineup in a minute. But what they will look to do is force us wide. And whether it's Jesus or Trossard up front, I expect it to be one of those two. You know, you, you, they will fancy their chances with the likes of me, Pinnock, Collins, to be able to deal with those situations and, and be able to, to handle the threat posed by whoever it is that occupies that role in an Arsenal shirt. So for me, you know, I think we're going to have to be patient. I think we're going to have to try and unlock them down the flanks. We're going to need to try and get the likes of Martinelli, if he starts, and Saka, of course, uh, to the byline. We're going to have to be smart. We're going to have to cut balls back. We're going to have to take shots from the edge of the box. And I think the fact that we could have and probably should have Martin Odegaard back helps us in this with those late runs uh, onto the edge of the box. Kai Havertz will be an option at some point in the game should we decide to use him. Um, but I think for me, this is going to be one of those games where we're going to have to push. If he plays Zinchenko into midfield, we're going to have to be patient. We're going to have to keep a hold of the ball and we're going to have to try and uh, and just protect ourselves against the transition, something that Brentford will be looking to do, but also are very good at and uh, and just remain patient and bide our time. I don't think this is going to be a massively high scoring game. That's my prediction. I don't imagine 
uh, that Brentford will give too much away because of this defensive structure I expect to see. Equally, I expect Arsenal, who have been pretty good defensively of late, uh, to be able to kind of limit Brentford um, when it comes to their moments going forward as well. So I think this is going to be a fascinating tactical battle, but one in which Arsenal need to be patient. In Mbumo and Vista, they've got two players that thrive on counter-attacking situations. And not only do they have that, they have the ability to go long um, to those guys, especially in Mbumo's case, because he's quick, he's rapid, not the tallest guy in the world, but he's stocky and he's really well-built and he is capable of winning aerial duels to either flick something on for Vissa, who likes to get close and in and around him, or win things and, and push on himself. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, how this goes. But that's how I expect Brentford to set up. So what do I think Arsenal are going to do? Or what do I think Arsenal should do is probably the better question here. Let me share with you guys my starting eleven for the trip to Brentford on Saturday. So here's my 11. We know that Aaron Ramsdale is going to play in goal. Mikel Arteta confirmed as much in his press conference this morning. Now, the defence, I think the defence was the bit that I was quite stuck on, actually, with regards to picking this team, because Gabriel's come back from a long, old flight, long, old trip. Um, you know, he's expected to train today, but, you know, is the jet lag going to be a thing? Is it going to play a part? I'm, I'm sure it would for most people. So there was a temptation on my part to put Jakub Kivior in at centre-back alongside William Saliba. Kivior played there in the cup at Brentford. I thought he played quite well. But then you look at the situation that Ben White finds himself in where he's been dealing with a muscular problem, didn't train outside yesterday because, um, you know, he's not ready for that. I don't know if that's going to happen today. But then you think about that, you think about his importance, you think about whether or not you want to take a risk on him. And so the conclusion I came to was um, that I'd probably play Gabriel and Saliba at centre-back with Tommy Asu at right-back um, because I've talked a lot about the fact that we're probably going to have quite a bit of the ball and that we need that creativity, that additional creativity to come from Zinchenko in that role he does on the left-hand side. You know, you look at Brentford and they do play without natural wingers they probably will have wing backs but if it's the same wing backs that they've used in recent weeks they're without Rico Henry remember um and they were without I don't know if they still are but they were without um oh god that fella that we were after Aaron Hickey that's the one you do wonder if you know they're going to put sort of center back profile players in those wing back positions which means that their threat from wide is going to be not non-existent but reduced and if it's reduced then you can get away with that morphing into a back three, Tomiyasu, Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko going into midfield and Arsenal using him to try and unpick the lock. So on the balance of things, thinking about all of those factors, I've gone with Zinchenko left back, Tomiyasu right back, Saliba and Gabriel at centre-back. Kivior is there and available should any of those players be not quite 100%. He can play at left centre-back, he can play at left back as well. Um, so uh, yeah, you know, he's an option too. I'm not dismissing that, but when I thought about this, this is the conclusion that I came to in the end. Uh, midfield for me would be Jorginho, Rice and Odegaard. Um, I think that's got a nice balance to it. Um, I always say that Jorginho, you know, he's getting better and better in an Arsenal shirt, but a lot of that is down to what he has around him. If he's got Gabriel and Saliba um, behind him, if he's got Zinchenko tucking in next to him and he's got that protection that Rice can give you, uh, even from the eight position because of his incredible mobility, and Odegaard to link up with, I think that that's, that's the best midfield that we have available to us at this moment in time. 
My front three would be Saka from the right, Martinelli, who I know he played, what, 72, 78 minutes the other night. In an ideal world, you probably wouldn't want to play him, but I've talked about the fact that we do need to get him behind, in my opinion, get to the bylines. That's the only way you're going to break down um, this shape and formation that I expect Brentford to go with. So Martinelli from the left for me, um, and his ability to dart in field as well could be key as a bit of a ghost runner. And then I'd go with Trossard up front because he's played really well and he deserves it. Um, Havertz is an option, of course. Fabio Vieira is not because he's suspended. Eddie Nketiah is an option too. But Trossard has done so well in the games that he's come in for and has had an impact in those games. I think you've got to continue with him and I think you've got to play him. So my starting 11 to face Brentford, based on what we know so far about team news, and again, there could be some surprises. Ramsdale in goal, Tomiyasu, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko across the back. Jorginho, Rice and Odegaard in midfield with Saka, Martinelli and Trossard up front. In terms of a prediction, I'm going to go for a 1-0 Arsenal win. The famous old 1-0 to the Arsenal. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys in the comments. I'm going to go through the chat box now. So start getting your comments, questions in and we'll take as many of those as we possibly can. And uh, yeah, uh, let's do that in this uh, next section. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Let's go. Here we go. Listener Q and A time. Let's take some of your thoughts uh, from the live chat. Just going back to the Arteta thing. Cass says, um, said it on Tom's podcast this morning. It's one rule for Arteta and another rule for the other Premier League managers. Feels like that at times, doesn't it? Uh, Matt says, feels weird knowing that Ramsdale will start as Arteta is always so secretive with his lineups. You're, you're right. Um, Fuad says, isn't Collins out injured, H? I'm not actually sure, to be honest with you. Um and I'm saying that the point I was making is that they will play that formation. They will play that way. And that's why I highlighted what they did in the Liverpool game. I look back at the Chelsea game as well, and that's the way they set up for that one too. So it might not be Nathan Collins. It might be someone else in terms of personnel, but the system will be the same, I think. And and the idea behind how they're going to try and stop Arsenal will be the same. Um, Halo says, morning, isn't this the type of games where teams with a good six can shine? Good number six, that is. Teams like Brentford always have these fast transitions where you will depend on fast defenders and good DMs. Yeah, I mean, I think under normal circumstances, I'd agree with you um, in the sense of, you know, so I guess what you're suggesting, Halo, if I read between the lines, is that you'd actually quite like to see Declan Rice playing as the six against Brentford because of his mobility, his um, his physicality, and the fact that he's probably better equipped to stop transitional play than Jorginho is. And I agree with that um, generally. And that's why I always say that Jorginho needs him alongside him because he needs that extra bit of protection. Where I would say it slightly differs when it comes to Brentford is that Brentford are a lot more direct than other teams. Now, I'm not saying they play Sam Allardyce ball or anything like that, but Thomas Frank recognises and understands his strengths, his team's strengths and weaknesses. And often during their time in the Premier League, has opted to go that little bit longer in certain games. And he did it way more often when he had Ivan Tony because, you know, he was so great at holding up the ball and all the rest of it. But I just think with Brentford, whether you play Rice or whether you play Jorginho there, I think a lot of the time they're going to be looking at least to bypass that number six with a long ball over the top, with a direct ball up to a, an Mbumo or a Vista to be able to compete with the defenders. And so playing Declan Rice there, yeah, it's great. And it would be good if we had another eight that we could play. You know, maybe you play Rice there and you play Havertz and Odegaard then. 
it's not what I would do away at Brentford. I'd be a bit safer. Um, and I think Jorginho has got that ability to unlock um, defences with passes from deep areas. We saw uh, him do it in the Champions League quite recently. I, I just think you need a bit more craft. And I think Jorginho has that. I don't think Jorginho can really play as an eight. And that's why I've put Rice there. Um, but as I say, I think a lot of the time Brentford will look to bypass whoever it is in that position anyway. In fact, if we play Declan Rice there, I think they'll be even more inclined to do that and go that little bit more direct um, and, and bypass the six because they they won't fancy their chances uh, against him. Uh, ultra epic guy says, Gabriel and Martinelli, both recently back from South America. I would play Kivior and Nelson. Important to note as well that despite Mikel Arteta saying that Jesus is available, he's not in my starting 11 because I'm worried. I'm worried about the workload that we put on him. You know, nobody thought he was capable of playing 96, 97 minutes the other night, but he did it. Um, but that doesn't mean that you then chuck another load of weight on him and expect him to be able to um, to cope with that and live with that and, and expect him to not break down again. So he's out for me in terms of the starting 11, someone that we could definitely do with at some point in the game. And it's encouraging that he did play 96, 97 minutes, but would I be taking a gamble on him no, I wouldn't. Um, I'd accept Gabriel not being in the side for Kivior because I am concerned about the journey that these guys have done, the timing of it and all the rest of it. But Reese Nelson, to me, and some people would disagree, is a massive drop-off from Gabriel Martinelli. And so I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't leave both of them out. One or the other, decide who's better equipped, maybe, but I'm not leaving both of them out. That's just my uh, personal opinion. Jason says, Harry, do you think this is a great weekend for other teams to drop points around us? Well, yeah, you know, Chelsea and Newcastle play each other. I know that Chelsea are nowhere near us right now, but I expect them to make a charge and, you know, Newcastle are a bit of a threat. Um, not in terms of the title race, but, you know, if they do click and come good, they could be in the Champions League mix as well. Um, you know, Tottenham are at home to Aston Villa, who are a really dangerous side at the moment. So Tottenham could potentially drop points. And then, of course, at 12.30 tomorrow, you've got Manchester City and Liverpool. So this game feels like a must-win for Arsenal. You know, it won't be a disaster if we don't, and a lot of the teams around us drop points in terms of how the table looks. But this is one of those weekends that you look at and you think this is an opportunity. And we've got to take these opportunities uh, in order to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season. Going to take one more question uh, from Fuad, who says, hey, Harry, do you think Havertz should play in the Odegaard role or still stick him at left centre mid eight alongside him? It's clear um, Arteta doesn't see him as an out-and-out centre forward. Well, it's difficult to know, really, because, you know, he was playing in the Odegaard role because Odegaard wasn't there. Had Odegaard been there, there would have been games, in my opinion, that Havertz wasn't even in the starting eleven. So it's unclear, really, what the long-term idea is with Kai Havertz, even at this stage, because we've seen him used as an auxiliary centre-forward at times. I don't think he makes the midfield when Partey's back, for example, when it becomes, in my view, Partey, Rice and Odegaard. So, yeah, I think one of the reasons he was signed was because of how versatile he is. And I don't think Mikel Arteta will want to uh, marry him to one particular position um, and sort of give him that impression as well. I think that when Havertz came in, he knew that he'd be playing in different roles. What I don't want to see is Kai Havertz playing at left back like he did for Germany. But hey, that's another matter uh, and another debate. Okay, so my prediction, 1-0 to the Arsenal. Let me know some of yours in the comments section as well. Once we wrap up the stream, any questions, any thoughts you've got, chuck them in. Uh, we'll include them in uh, our next uh, episode, which will be a, a Q&A uh, 
hopefully tomorrow morning. Um, and then I'll be down at the game tomorrow night. I'll bring you the reaction show on Sunday morning uh, from Paris. I'll be in Paris. I'm traveling there bright and early on Sunday morning because uh, I'm commentating on uh, some of the uh, CAF club competitions uh, from a studio in Paris. So I'll bring you the podcast from there. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to it very, very much uh, indeed. And fingers crossed we'll be talking about another Arsenal victory. I'll see you all soon. Until next time, take care of yourselves and all the best. Goodbye. (laughs) 